Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thank you for joining us today as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. Spend our days during the week with people like yourself, helping them plan their financial futures and uh, broadcast during the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you're listening to us um, through a terrestrial radio on the weekend or through a podcast, wherever you are, I'm glad you are here with us. As and we run the show on the radios, but it's taped. Uh, we run the show on the weekends for the radio, but it's taped during the week. And we probably have more podcast listeners than yeah, we have so. terrestrial radio. So the I don't know how many of them actually get through the entire program. Well, I understand that. <laughs> but if you're a podcast listener and you'd like to join the show, it's this easy. Dial 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. And they'll schedule, they, being the people that work on the radio show, the producers, will schedule a time for you to join us on our show for your questions. So that's 833-99-WORTH. And the same for the terrestrial listeners. Yep. So looking forward to having you. How have and you been? I haven't <clears> seen <throat> you in a while. <laughs> oh, seriously. I mean, I've been on some Zoom meetings, but I haven't seen you in Facebook. You missed me? Since the last time we've done the radio show. <laughs> a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah. We usually record every couple weeks. Yeah, but we uh, we ran some best ofs over the 4th of July weekend, did we not? I don't know, did we? Has it been that long? I think so. Anyway. We can have this conversation <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> there are listeners. Yeah. They're, they're dropping off right now. I'm watching them just drop off. Uh, anyway, you know, it's interesting, Pat, is earlier this week, Monday, we saw the Dow was down roughly 900 points during the day. It ended up being down seven something. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Uh, the news media, Dow plummets. 900 okay. plummets. It was like a two percentage point swing. Yeah. Like, well, the the doll, the numbers is the, the numbers aren't nearly as important as the percentage rate. Of course, that's right. If your house is worth a million dollars and it falls by ten thousand dollars, like okay. If your yes. house is worth a hundred thousand, it falls by ten thousand. Big deal. Yes. So, right. Same thing here. So as the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the number gets higher and higher. One hundred points means less and less as a percentage. And percentages are what make... Yes. That's how we measure <laughs> yes. the finance thing. Yes. not The Dow number doesn't really make much difference. So uh, it just got me thinking because I'm listening to uh, some of the news reports that day. And it was a reminder to me that the same, the same way you r- read the COVID stories or the storm stories or the fire stories it's all sensationalized right the headlines are sensational they find the like the most gruesome stories to bring out there that's what if it reads if it bleeds it reads well, so and, and and by the way as we have moved away from print advertising uh, to digital advertising it becomes even more important that they get you to read the whole article and hopefully click they yeah. will click. You will click to a second page of the article, or third page of the article, or scroll down. Yeah, to your point, it used to be you bought the whole paper. You bought the whole paper. As long as the headline got your attention, the rest of the articles could be whatever main, mainstream. I mean, yeah, yeah. You got a cat out of a tree, right? And they were selling those advertisements, but now they have to get your eyes locked on that page and keep it on that page for as long as possible. Yeah, which that's the business model. Whether it's television, the internet. So the, the point is that their objective is not to help you make wise choices with your finances. Yes. Their objective is to get as many eyeballs as possible so they can sell more advertisement. That's their business model. That's it. They have to. They, otherwise, they don't exist anymore. They have to get you on there so they can get advertisers, Period. So just a reminder that obviously this last week, that's not no big deal. There will be some time in the future. They'll have some bad days again. Unexpected. Don't know what's going to happen. It won't be 700. It could be 2,000 point drop. In a day. In a day. 
Would not surprise me. Yes. A 2,000 points drop on the Dow in a day would not surprise me. Yes. But when that happens, the media is going to come out there like it's this big deal. Watch out, you know. And they're going to get pundits, stick a microphone and say, "Why? what's going on here? Monday's excuse was the Delta variant of COVID. What was the rally on Tuesday? Tuesday? I don't know. The Delta variant, nothing changed. Yes. I don't think there was any better news on COVID. Yes. yes. Between Monday and Tuesday. I just, this whole Delta thing, I just feel bad for Delta Airlines. And I felt oh, bad yeah. for Corona beer uh, back in the day when the coronavirus first came out. It changed. The, they don't really call it the coronavirus They don't anymore. call it now that, that anymore. COVID-19. I think from a lobby to get it changed. I don't know what <laughs> Delta's going to change. Delta's going to change. It's going to change the name. Air or something. <laughs> right. All right. If we, anyway. Let's go to the calls. Uh, if you'd like to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784 to join the yeah. show. Let's talk with Patrick. Patrick, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. How are you today? We're fantastic. How are you, Patrick? Good, good. Uh, so a little background first. I'm a 54-year-old divorced male living in San Jose, California. My girlfriend listens to your show regularly, loves it, and said I should share my question with you. Okay, right. well, good. You sounds like you found a good woman this time. <laughs> That's right. The right one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, although we didn't know the old one. <laughs> That's just it. <laughs> so what's your question for us? I, uh, yes, this one is much, much better. Um, <laughs> a little back. I don't know what you could say otherwise. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and eventually she's going to listen to this too. Um, so a little background for me. I have a million dollars in a 401k that I've accumulated and rolled together over the years. I have about a half a million in a TD Ameritrade stock account, basically playing the market. And then another 100000 kind of here and there. Um, I have no debt, no house. I'm renting an apartment. All right, so here's my question. Um, because of my divorce, uh, my ex owes me some money, about $125,000. It is in a couple of 401ks in her name only. So she's initiating the quadro process. Mm-hmm. I talked to my 401k holder about rolling that 125k into my 401k, and he says, no, you can't, mainly because I'm not employed by the company, and it's a company rule. So I said, fine, I'll just open an IRA somewhere and roll it in. Yes. He said, you can do, he said, you can do that. But he said, you can also do this. And here's my question. He said, because this is a, a quadro, um, I can take it as a cash withdrawal. I'll pay the income tax, but not the early withdrawal penalty. First off, is that a true? Um, I've never heard this. So I've been in 30 years. I've done many qualified domestic relations orders. I've, that's the first well, I've ever heard of that. Let's, how old was she? How old was she? She is currently, she was born in 64, so 55, maybe 56. Yeah. And did she separate from service? What does that mean? Even still, if she's still working at that company. Yeah, did she leave the company? The company's that the, the money with the 401k business. is. Yeah, she left those many, many years okay. ago. Okay. All right. Well, this is I, – I, uh, first of all – Because if she had left it this year, if she turned 55 or older in the year in which she separates, then those dollars could be accessible without a, without a penalty. But she did not. It was what it sounds like. But why would you do that even if you could? Well, and that, that was kind of the wild question. Um, in, I mean, I'm, I'm not nearly as savvy as you guys, but in principle, it makes sense just to roll it over and yes, hundred percent. I mean, if you called and said, "Our plan is to," my plan is to take these dollars. I would say, "What? What? You out of your mind?" I mean, like you, you want to pay in all one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars of additional income uh, to add to your tax bill? But in saying that, once you put it in your IRA, by law. 401ks can accept that. Whether that plan allows for it or not is a completely different question. So you're saying use the four, use the IRA as sort of a, a stepping stone? Well, yeah. You, then- I, here's what I mean. One thing that raised my eyebrows is when you said you had uh, 500000 in a, in a in a brokerage account and you're picking some stocks and stuff in there. I'd ra- yep. I mean, if you're going to be doing any transactions, you might be better off doing those inside of an IRA where well, there's no tax considerations. Most certainly. Particularly if you're somewhat active. 
Most certainly. Or at least whatever per- percentage of that account you're active, that's how much I'd want in an IRA, self-directed IRA, where you can make the trades there. Does that make sense to you, Patrick? Maybe. So okay. let me rephrase. I, due to a, a stock plan I got into a long time ago, and then I ended up turning in the securities, mm-hmm. it's, it's about half a million with TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. and it's just stocks. Uh-huh. We got that. It's not stock in TD Ameritrade. Are you trading those stocks? Are you buying and yes. selling those stocks? So yes. you every time you buy and sell something, you you get have a gain on it. Let's well, or a loss. Yeah. <laughs> or a god. But let's <laughs> if just you say, always have a gain on it, then come work for us, please. But but let's just say every time you have a gain, you pay taxes on it. If you acted yeah. in the same manner inside of an IRA, you wouldn't have any gains. And the transaction costs would be exactly the same, which are zero. So what you want to do is take your wife's, your ex-wife's 401k and roll it into an IRA and then start doing all the trading inside the IRA. And I'm not saying that you should be doing trading in the IRA. But if you're doing the trading. But if you're going to do the trades, do it in the IRA. And then hold low-cost mutual funds, ETFs, or index funds inside of the brokerage account. Oh, so see, this is exactly what I wanted. You guys to come up with something different and creative and, and smarter than what well, I was thinking. So, well, Or you just may have been talking to a guy that wasn't really that bright before that gave you the advice. <laughs> I don't know if it's smarter. It's just <laughs> experience. It's, yeah, yes. So the idea that you would actually take the money out and put it in a brokerage or I, I wouldn't even understand if you could why you would. Yeah, you'd convert to a Roth before you took the money out. That's right. But but you, I wouldn't do any of those. I'd convert – I'd take that money from the Quadro, put it into the IRA, and then I'd do all my trading in the IRA if I was going to do trading. And then I would hold well, things like the the bonds or the things that I wasn't going to trade in the brokerage account. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I do like playing now and then in the market and sure. you know using some analysis tools, but – I win some and I lose some. Yep, yep. And and by the way, if you're planning on buying a home in the near future, you may actually want to keep that brokerage account in cash uh, for the purchase of a home. Or maybe this new girlfriend you have has got tons of money and she'll buy you a house. Even better. <laughs> she just sold her house and is looking for a different one. There you go. There we go. All righty. That's excellent advice. Yeah. All right. Appreciate I, the call. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Patrick. And it, it, to your point, I don't know if you'd recommend trading stocks, but if I was, <laughs> I mean, because part of it is, if you, it's an interesting time because it's a time right now when there are more dollars that are flown that that are deposited into index type investments, ETFs, index mutual funds, which basically says, boy, we can't figure out how to outsmart the market, so let's just own the entire market whether it's the S&P 500 or some other index. So at the same time that we're having those flow, we also have this tremendous increase in both trading of stocks as well as the use of options, Yes, which says, I know how to figure out where the market's going to go. Why should I bother putting money in an index fund when I could just go out and pick my winners? And what do you think the reason for both of those simultaneously is, (laughs) Scott? (laughs) Well, people invest for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. So people invest for their retirement, for their kids' education, to build wealth. There's also, I think, there's a thrilling part. There's a gamification. Of uh, of investing that I think people, and most people think, most people believe they're smarter than the next guy, or at least above average, right? Yes. <laughs> so I think there's a bit of that. Why do you think? I think that there's so much cash floating around, just washing around. And and cash that hadn't seen the uh, the markets before, that people that had jobs that were sub sixty or seventy thousand dollars in income that got stimulus checks from the government, but no longer actually needed those dollars to go out to dinner or to travel or vacation or to buy clothes or to dry clean or gas or any of those things, and that those dollars are being absorbed into the market. And while you don't think about it as being that much money, if you look at the economic stimulus the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars some of it went to business owners by the way by the way that didn't need it i know a gentleman that got it i know several that he owned a soap we didn't even apply for it at all we didn't but he owned a soap manufacturing company 
that did white label soap for large retailers. Well, people didn't need soap during COVID. He, he, <laughs> no he, one bothered washing their hands. He said, I run in both plants 24 <laughs> seven and the government decided to send me a check. And I'm like, unintended consequences, but nonetheless. Can't blame him. Not his fault. Government said, here it is. And he took it. And so I think that there, it's all that economic stimulus for business owners, for small investors that is actually helping to drive this. And the fact that most people's disposable income went up in the last yes. 18 months. Most people. It's a, it's a really strange, I was having this conversation with somebody just the other day about this. And I remember reading this book 15 years, maybe 10 or 15 years ago about uh, how the top 10% can, their their incomes continue to grow, and they showed all these different tables. Table. And I read this 15 years ago, and I thought that that history was not has been nothing compared to like this last nothing. 10 or 15 years. I mean, the wealth at the top is just exploding, uh, and it's not just the top one percent, the top five percent, the top 10 percent, the top 20 percent. But then there's that bottom. It, does, it's not, it doesn't it's move. Not, it hasn't moved. It hasn't moved. And if it's moved, it's been very negligible. Yes. Which is not a healthy thing for a society at large from an economic standpoint. Yeah. Not that I'm proposing some radical fix, but... Uh, There's no radical change in store? There might be a radical change in store. It's not my idea, though. <laughs> That's not my idea either. <laughs> anyway, let's continue on. Uh, 833-99-WORTH is the contact number here at Allworth's Money Matters. And we were talking... With Sandra. Sandra, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean, All Worth Financial. Um, hello, and thank you for taking my call. I, um, I'm calling, um, I don't even know how to put this. My brother passed away in October, and he had asked me to be executrix of his estate, but he never gave me any information. And he, he just passed away within 15 days, so there was no time to do everything. Okay. So... All that I've been trying to figure out has been through sorting papers, going through his wallet, all those things. Wow. So um, there was a he worked for a congressman for 15 years. And he took care of everybody else's issues, but not so good his own. And he had a TSP account. So I the only paper I can find it it started as life cycle L fund, mm -hmm. but when he turned 66, I guess it went to G fund, and I honestly don't even know what those mean. Okay. So I called them in November and they said fill out paperwork. I filled the paperwork out, sent them the certificate of death and the everything that they asked for. And um so then I called a month later and they didn't receive it. I filled it out again, sent it again, and then they said everything's in process. And that has been going on since January. So Last month I called wow. and I just said, if I have my estate lawyer call, can you give them any information? They said no. That's right. And then, um, yeah. And so the only thing that I do know is there was uh, a young couple. Um, she has dual citizenship, but her husband, they live in Berlin. And he named them in this. Okay. Uh, That's what I suspected. That's what I suspected. Yeah. And so... The uh, the husband is having trouble getting a document that he needs, and so now she's hired a lawyer over there just to try to find out. Okay. Um, if they can get the paperwork, my question is, um, well, you already answered one that can't tell me anything. Um, but is there anything that I can do? No, and then the other question is, I don't even know what the amount is if it's okay. or if it's big. So so Nothing. let's so this is a thrift savings plan to so the rest of the listeners. Yeah. This is the equivalent to the federal government's 401k or nonprofits 403b, which is a work sponsored retirement plan. In a thrift savings plan, 401k, 403b, IRA, life insurance contract, annuity contract, you name a beneficiary, primary beneficiary and then a contingent beneficiary. And it doesn't matter what the relationship between the owner of the retirement plan is and the beneficiary, it is essentially going to go on to them outside of the estate. So the reason you could have a, you could be the trustee, right? You could be the uh, executive well, I, of the state, but it doesn't recognize it's not, any of that. Yeah. 
doesn't matter. So when when the government wasn't giving you the information, my I immediately thought, well, of course, You're she's not, not named as the beneficiary. Yeah, like, why should we tell you? And they don't need to tell you, nor should they be allowed to tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's oh. going to go whoever he named on the ben- beneficiary. It's none of your business now. Okay. Well, I'll beg to differ slightly on that. Why? I mean, if 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 Sanders suspects there's some fraud that went on there, he was coerced. Okay, I'll go with that. Then it's a then it could be quite a, a long legal battle. Okay, I'll go with that. So it might be some. Do you suspect that your brother actually made the decision for the beneficiary in good and a sound mind? Oh well, I know that I'm on there. That's the only paper I found was my name and their names. And the only complication seems to be that he can't get papers yet or some document that he needs over there. Wait, but it's just been... F- wait, wait, you're on as the primary beneficiary as 50% and I then am. this person is the other 50%? Correct. You've and, seen and that. I, I saw a document with that somewhere in all the papers, yes. Well, then they should be able to um, pay out your 50%. They should, should be, be able to, regardless well, of what the other person is doing. Yeah. Well, I, that part, I mean, I don't even know what's in there and that wasn't the thing. I just couldn't understand why they weren't telling me anything or uh, I didn't even need the amount. I just want to know more than it's in process. I understand, but it, so, it may be you, in process, but if you are, are in fact listed as a primary beneficiary, yes, they, they should tell you the amount and they should process this. That's right. I mean, oh, okay. it doesn't matter if they can't have trouble with the other beneficiaries. It's not, your, not your business. Problem. It's none of your just business. put this thing and, and give it to you. So in our own firm, we have billions of dollars in IRAs, billions of dollars yeah. in IRAs. And if there are two beneficiaries listed on the IRA and someone passes them around, we do our best to reach out to those beneficiaries if they don't reach out to us and notify them that there is an IRA with their name as the primary right. beneficiary on it. And we will distribute to whoever the beneficiaries we can find on the IRA. But and if, somebody, if time, somebody calls us and says, hey, I am the uh, trustee of the family trust or the executor, I've got this court document, then like, so, that's bad. fine and dandy, but it doesn't, it's irrelevant because it, the beneficiary supersedes that. Even if they have, even if the decedent had an account here with the trust that's and an IRA beneficiary other than the trust, we wouldn't even mention it to the trustee. We're not, we have to protect that. So okay. you, you, I would call up and say, look, I found this documentation that I was listed as beneficiary. I would share it with them and then ask them to actually distribute the money to you. If they say you're not listed as the beneficiary, then you might want to uh, involve uh, an estate planning attorney. Okay. Well, I do have one. All I right. just wasn't sure. And the best way so, to do with the estate, obviously, well, is to start Not a planning attorney. One that oh, uh, specializes in fights. Fair enough. Uh, and who? I'm sorry. Uh, whatever they call themselves. They're, they're specialists in, in estate um, litigation. litigation. There's people oh, okay. that specialize in estate litigation. They're, um, okay. And the best way to start for discovering what was in the estate is to go to the tax return. And I'm sure you've already done that. Yeah, that's been completed. Okay. No, okay. But you go to old tax returns to look for assets that you can't identify. And then go on to whatever state he ever lived in and look for lost assets or, or assets that had been sheeted to the state of, in which he lived. So, like, you can go on to the California website and look to see if there's any lost assets in your son, in your brother's name. Oh, okay. And you do that in any state okay. he ever lived in. All right. All right. We wish you well, Sandra. And um, sorry, it feels like you're getting the run around, and you may or may not be. But I take <clears throat> for the rest of us out there. Like making sure your beneficiaries are up to date is highly important. Highly. I've witnessed, we've been doing this long enough. I've witnessed personally uh, multiple times when it's been, and it's not, it's not the IRA. It's not, it tends not to be their main retirement account, particularly if someone a little older, but it might be a small 401k that's left at a previous firm, a life insurance policy uh, from your employer that was never changed. I've seen the money go to ex-spouses. I've seen um, the money from kids go to parents, even after the child had been married and had their own children. I've seen money go to uh, an an ex instead of the kids. Divorce been and the money was designated for the kids. They were young, never, not a dime ever went to them because uh, 
I mean, having that ben- the beneficiaries up to date is uh, is really crucial because that, like we're saying, that supersedes everything. It doesn't matter what else is there. If that's what the beneficiary states, that's what the beneficiary states. And the previous caller, they're getting around. I don't know if the TSP is tends to be um, slower than than other most of commercial. Them most of them aren't that slow. No, it is a government. Well. <laughs> Everyone beats on the government so much. I'm just going to give it a couple okay. weeks off. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of an easy target. Yeah. I'm just going to give it a couple yeah. weeks off. We're going to make you operate in this particular environment with a certain set of rules where there's no profit, profit accountability, and we're going to expect you to behave perfectly. Anyway, we're taking a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue with some more calls. This is All Worth Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hanson. Matt McClain. Thanks for sticking with us as we talk about financial matters. And I thought it was interesting the last couple of weeks, Pat, when we had first Richard Branson beats Jeff Bezos in debate, into space, and then... Bezos flies in space a few days later. I mean, it's just the. <laughs> I thought. Well, I just. I, I. I was quite excited to seeing Richard Branson. Just the, the fact that a commercial company can figure out how to make this happen. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Um, but then, it, then when Bezos is doing it, it just kind of feels like it is like. Is this the next thing for if you got more money than you know what to do with that? You're just going to spend money on figuring out how to get yourself to outer space I, for a couple seconds. Uh, th- that's uh, right. I. I thought, I wonder if there's people on the engineering teams that move around between um, uh, Blue Origin, what was the other? Um, Virgin. Virgin. Galactic, and then what, isn't there another one? Yeah, someone else Elon got Musk. Some, yeah, 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 one, yeah. Right? Can't forget, of course, Elon. Well, he's moving to Mars. So, but there is, or like, are these engineers moving around between the three companies sharing the, this data that they can all get it done at the, in a matter of weeks of each other? So I thought, and I said, that is quite peculiar that they all get it done <laughs> without of a, like within weeks well, each other. Well, I think other. it was like a race for each other. I don't know when Musk is going up. Mm. Don't know. I don't He's know. missed his opportunity to be in the Well, his, but he was doing a lot of contract work with the U.S. government. I got to give him this. The guy's brilliant. Everything he does is some sort of government subsidy attached to it. Not not everything he's ever done, but most certainly Solar City and uh, Tesla. Tesla and then this, the, space the, the SpaceX. Yeah, whatever it's that. But he is being sued. Uh, he is being sued as the, a shareholder at Tesla for taking Solar City and running those two companies together. There is a large yeah, lawsuit. I know, but in, I, in it's funny, it's funny because I actually followed a little bit of little bit of interest. Okay, you're a shareholder of Tesla. Like, what are you complaining about? Oh, I mean, the, the, the stock is. Most people would say the stock's way overvalued. Oh, so the same guy that you're blaming. For being such a great spin master that he got the board to buy off on buying Solar City, that same guy has got the stock price through the roof because he has he's has this ability to create this almost cult like following. I never thought you can't of it have like it both ways. I never thought of it that way. Actually, I just right? thought about I mean, how do you, you can't. Well, have when it they way. announced that years a few years ago, I thought, yeah, yeah he's a, gonna he's gonna take this good company and he's gonna run this bad company that he owns a portion of and his cousin runs. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, into this, but I never thought of it the way you thought of it. I think you might have an excellent point oh, there. I right? mean, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, well, like him or not. He's, yeah. Uh, and people. by the end of the day, by the way, you could get excited about Tesla, but. What you really should be excited about if you're interested in electric vehicles is what the other large manufacturers are doing. Mercedes-Benz, Volkswagen, Ford, Chevrolet. I mean, they're all there. I don't know where the electricity is going to come from to power the cars, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, let's, um, continue on the the calls here. 833-99-WORTH is the contact number to join us. 833-999-678. Eight four. Now, really quick, um, 
I don't own a Tesla. They seem like great cars. I've ridden in one a couple times. They seem like excellent vehicles. Mm -hmm. I know that people who have them tend to love them. But uh, last weekend, I happened to be up in Lake Tahoe, and there's like a place to get your Teslas charged. I don't know if they're quick charged. And they're all full. They're, so there was like six parking places. There are all six Teslas there. And then some lady's like sitting waiting outside of her car. And I thought, I, I don't know. How, please don't call to tell me how it works. I, <laughs> but like... You need to get a charge to get home, and you go to the charging station, and there's... Oh, I think you have an app that actually can either reserve a space or tell you what's open. But go. I don't know how they make you move your car after it's filled up, and you want to spend an I extra mean, I'm being totally hour. transparent. The reason it has not interested me is because I know I'll end up being somewhere where there's gas stations on every corner, and I can't figure a way to get my car. When the infrastructure it. gets to it, um, to, be the first to when line. you're comfortable, that a lot more people will adopt Yeah, it. for sure. Anyway, I don't know why I brought that up, but let's take some calls here. The talk to Michael. Michael, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey. Hi, guys. How you doing? Wonderful. Um, my question's on the uh, sale of my home on the um, tax exemption. Uh -huh. My uh, wife passed away this year, and I was trying to Sorry about that. figure out how long. Thank you. Um, I was trying to figure out how long I have to uh, still get the five hundred thousand um, exemption. Did was this house owned jointly? Was it? Um, yeah, yeah. That's the other problem. Is no, it was just in my name only. Okay. And then and what? My what wife was never on though. What's the value of the home? Uh, about five fifty. What'd you pay for it? One oh five. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you, you've got a bit, a bit of a, a problem here because uh, you were the, the primary owner of the house. Yes. And why was your wife never on the property? How long had you been married to her? Uh, I bought the place twenty six years ago, and uh, we were married for about fifteen. I mean, the, just sitting there thinking, if there an argument can be made that this house was in fact community property, that she helped contribute to this house, but that's above our pay grade. Yeah, no, it was paid for before we got married. Okay, well then, I, I think you know the answer, right? So each individual has two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which means a married couple can have five hundred thousand dollars of gain. But she did not own this house, right? So, and how much so money did you put into this the, house? Over the years, like, did you do a remodel on it ever? Remodel, some capital improvements. Ow, you put a swimming pool in. Now, maybe 50000 over the years. Yeah, you've got, some, some cap, you've got some capital gains implications. Okay, I kind of thought so. Yeah, I would go to a qualified accountant. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean... I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see a lot of other options here. Yeah. Or not sell the house. <laughs> I'm getting out of California, so. Oh, well, then sell the house and pay the taxes. And I mean, you, fortunately, yeah. so if you wait too long, you'll lose the 250 exemption. Two of the last five years. Two. But he's not renting it. Oh, oh no. Yeah, no, without no. selling it. Yeah, without selling it. Well, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. If you said I'm just going to turn it into rental, yeah, 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 You don't want to turn it into a rental. Is oh that no, correct? I'm not. No, no, no. I'm just going to sell it. Yeah, you sell it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, from what you have shared with us, you have a capital gains. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. right. That's, uh, that's all I needed then. All right. Thank all you. All right. Very much. Sorry, Michael. And just kind of a little follow up on that. Um, If it was listed, if community property stay listed as community property, the surviving spouse receives any asset with a cost basis for tax purposes stepped up to the fair market value. That's right. Under current tax law. Under current tax law, yes. Yeah. Um, but but his situation, though, I don't know if I would have put it in community property either. I'm not saying he did the wrong thing. Oh, correct. Okay. Because he bought it 10 years before he married this lady. But from some planning, let's assume that it was an illness that was, let's just say it was something like a terminal illness that okay. we knew that we knew it was coming. Um, you could do some planning around You could that. do some planning. You put something, let's transfer ownership to 50-50. Suddenly, the one in inevitable death happens. Uh, you essentially eliminate that capital gain. That's yeah. a, under current tax law. I can't stress that enough. Under current tax law. 
you, you, you state that in such a manner because there is some discussion in, in Bi- the Biden administration's uh, proposals. What they'd like to see in legislation is a change to that, in, or at least a, a limiting, like the current one I last thought was a million dollar exemption, anything above that. Yes. There's no step up basis, or you don't get the credit for it or whatever. But you could see where that would run into all kinds of problems because it would force liquidations of family farms and businesses. Yes. So one would assume there's some exemptions and then suddenly there's, it's amazing how many family farms there are. And then there's, (laughs) and then there's a, there's an exemption to the exemption. And the next thing you know, your attorneys, good attorneys will figure ways around. And the next thing you know, the tax code's 40,000 pages long. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. All right. Let's uh, continue on here. 833-99-WORTH is the contact number. We're talking with Drew. Drew, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Wonderful. Good. Yeah, my name is uh, Drew Answer. I'm calling from Sacramento, California. And uh, in uh, 1998, I was living in Salt Lake City and moved to Sacramento and started uh, got my contractor's license and started working in Sacramento. But before I did that in Salt Lake, I was working, I had a retirement with a company. Uh, I don't know if I can say names on sure, the, on the say radio it. or not. Sure, yeah, you can say names. <laughs> okay. That's that, always, that always figures the risk is so low. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Pacific Corp's the company. Oh, you didn't say Pacific Corp, did you? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It was an old logging company, was it not? No, it was actually a power company in Salt Lake. Okay. It uh, it used to be Utah Power and Light. We got bought out by Pacific Corp, and I got laid off in, uh, in 1990. I left everything alone with my retirement until 1998. Mm hmm. And transferred it to a company in Salt Lake. Uh, let's see here. Security Capital Pacific Trust. And that's who I was working for next. And it was with them for five, six, seven years. So this was, let me just, this was your employer and you had an employer-sponsored plan of like a 401k, the retirement plan through the employer? The first one, Pacific Power, yeah. Okay, yeah, the second one. Yeah, Security Capital Pacific Trust. Was that an employer or was that a third-party investment advisory firm or an asset that you – A custodial trustee company. What was your relationship to it's Security – It's who I transferred my Pacific Power plan to. Correct, but you were not working for Security Pacific No, sir. Trust. Okay, so you transferred this money to Security Probably went into an IRA. Capital Pacific Trust. Okay, and then what happened? Their IRA. Okay, and then I just kind of forgot about it and got busy with life, moved to Sacramento and uh, started, you know, had my company going for several years till 2012. I fell out of a tree and long story, you know, got became disabled and they put me on, you know, disability here in California. It's called SSI. Uh-huh. And I really hadn't gotten any correspondence with them. So in 19... 19- in 2000, let's see what the date is here, 2019, I decided, hey, what happened to my 401k that I had with Pacific Corp that yep. was transferred to Security Pacific? Right. And, and so I what happened? I better look into it because at the time it was $30,000, $40,000 it was transferred. Okay. okay, bring us to present here. So what's going on? So I contacted them and they, they don't have it. Okay, so here's – have no idea yeah, where it went. Yeah, it was probably turned over to the state of utah so if you check could have been years ago if you checked any of the national databases or state databases to see where if you have lost dollars in your names so here's what happened it's called a sheetman so if you're an investment firm and or bank or right many other financial institutions and all of a sudden you start mailing mail to drew and all of a sudden, it starts getting returned. And we're like, oh, Drew. What happened mm-hmm. to Drew? Mm-hmm. To Drew. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, we're kind of interested in Drew. But each state has a little bit different. The number of years where there's no contact with you, that you have to turn, mm-hmm. they have to turn the dollars over to that state in which they're operating in or in which you live in. Most of it, it has to do with where, they're, uh, where you're op- they're operating. 
or where you're living. So what happened there is your your money may be owned by a state somewhere. Okay, and I it most the likely they can't find it. Okay, in the state of California is. I can are, give you several names of where I checked. Have you? Uh, they said they sold to Avalon. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. Have you checked with okay. the state of Utah to see if it's been lost property? Um, I just looked up uh, lost monies or unclaimed, unclaimed. What do they call it? Property? Yeah, sheeted property. Have you done it on the state of Utah's website? Yes, sir. Okay. Have you done it on the state of California's website? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. There are firms that actually specialized in lost property. Whether they actually will take your account or not is something completely different because normally what they do is they identify the lost property and then find the people actually tied to it. Okay, but, I've been told that the that it is a IRS fund and that you just can't lose this because it's tied with the IRS. Is that true? No, it's an IRA, not an IRS. And it has nothing to do but with the who IRS. who monitors the IRAs and makes sure that none well, of this cust- happens? The, well, the custodian does, but the custodian, it's not the custodian's fault that you moved and they can't contact you. Okay. It's not their fault. They're required by law to turn it over to I mean, an authority. I mean, there's a chance that it's in some subsidiary and it's still sitting somewhere. There's a chance that you actually drew it out and forgot about it, too. And that's what they're going to say. But it yeah, has been 21 years. Money. It's been 21 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been 21 years. We we see it all the time with people, you know, five years goes by, six years ago. I've never seen one after 21 years get returned to anyone. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. But you need to check with the state. Yeah. So I appreciate the call. Yeah. Good luck to you. Good luck to you, Drew. And uh, I guess kind of a reminder that uh, the importance of keeping up (laughs) with what you own. Right. Right. Yeah. If you move, you you typically want to leave a forwarding address and check that forwarded mail for a period of time and change those addresses. Especially and know how to look up assets. your accounts online. Yes, I yes. <laughs> I I actually keep a little spreadsheet with yes. what assets the Hanson family has to keep yep. track of stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, so those things like think things like that don't happen. Anyway, eight three three ninety nine worth. The number here, 833-999-6784. We're talking with Damon. Damon, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, good afternoon. How are you guys? We're really good today. It's a good day. <laughs> um, I've been shopping for a financial planner. Why? And I know that they should be a fiduciary and fee-based. Um, I listened to your show for about a month now, so I'm learning a lot. Um so I'm assuming that... Why are you I shopping for one, just out of curiosity? Because uh, I've never had one, okay. and I right. don't know what to do with my finances. And I'm 62, and I thought I'd, you know, get my Good answer. Together. Good answer. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Not uncommon um, to get close to retirement. You're thinking, uh-oh, I better figure this stuff out. Exactly. So if, uh, if most of the financial planners... Um, we'll take all my information, my assets, my risk tolerance, my age, and all that stuff, um, and they put it into their programs. Wouldn't the outcomes be uh, pretty similar? Not necessarily, because it's all based upon the assumptions they use going forward. So I'll give an an example. Uh, Let's assume that uh, Pat McLean and myself were not business partners, and let's assume we're not terribly um, ethical in the way we do things. Or at least let's assume I'm not, but Pat is. You go in and see Pat, and you say, all right, here's what I have in my assets. Here's my situation. Here's what I want to retire. And Pat says, okay, great. Well, Pat says, let's use, let's use some conservative assumptions. We're going to assume inflation is going to tick on by 2 or 3%. We're assuming your accounts are going to earn 5 to 6% over the long term. We assume that you can take a whatever smaller withdrawal. So he, he paints you this more conservative picture. Now, myself, on the other hand, I'm thinking, oh, man, I really want to sell Damon some investments of some sort. So I'm going to make it look like he's made in the shade, like retirement is totally ready for him. So I'm going to use some 
really high assumption. I'm going to assume he's going to earn 10% a year or whatever. And move inflation at 1% and that he can withdraw 4% and still have 6% growth. Yes. And so that his accounts still look like they double every uh, 7, 10, 12 years. So you've got multiple millions by the time you're 80, even though you've had a good lifestyle along the way. Right? So that's what can happen. And I've seen that. So I've I've seen that with other advisors. Like, I've met with people saying, look, I don't think you, you can, you cannot, the worst case I saw was in the year 2000. This is right at the top of the stock market run up. This guy came in, he was referred to us. He had a retirement offer from the utility company, came in and talked to us. And, uh, he was planning on taking this retirement offer. And he had a, a very, various different return assumptions. The lowest return assumption he had was 12%. The highest was 20%. Whoa. And I looked at him. And this is right after the stock market had this big run up. And I'm like, whoa, like we can't expect this to continue. Let's look what's happened historically. And I remember going back and saying, I think seven or 8% is probably a more realistic thing. I went and showed them all of history and how bad things can get, why you need to be more conservative going to retirement. He left saying, thank I'm so grateful I've talked to you. He called me two days later and said, I- I'm going to go retire and-, and use this firm anyway. Right? Believing that, ha- believing that they somehow had the magic. Now we know wand. what happened. We yes. had the the forty five percent decline in the stock market the following two years because uh, markets go through cycles. And I, I thought that I was clairvoyant. They go through cycles. So that is why you can have very differing um, um, projections from different financial advisors on a financial plan, especially. Uh, okay. Right. So what what happens is you're. Look, look, you want you want a financial advisor that's going to tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Because uh, that's yes, important, right? So the worst thing that could happen— And they're all conflicted, oh, right? You come in and say, hey, I've got a million dollars I'm going to invest. If, can I retire? They're conflicted. They want the million dollars to manage, to make some money off them. And the, they, we all, a good one will say, a good one's going to care more about you than they do about the money and realize that— just do the right thing to people. It's going to come back to you. So we don't have to worry about each person is some sort of transaction, but there's still that inherent conflict that still exists. And how do I weed these people out? That's the hard part, right? Well, there's a few things. Uh, Look for what credentials they have. Are they a certified financial planner? That's kind of the main accreditation on there. Uh, Look at the regulatory background. Are they a registered investment advisor, which means they have a legal duty to put your interest above theirs? Do they sell any commission products, which can create a tremendous conflict? Right. And then interview two or three of them. And actually, it's okay to actually have them, you know, see if they'll, they'll do you a, either a quick summary of a financial plan or, um, or a full financial plan. How much assets are we talking about here? Um, let's see. In my IRAs, I have a million. In my cash accounts, I have about two and a half million. Wow. Uh, You've done my, a good job, Zabin. And is your, do you owe anyone any money, including on a primary residence? Um, I have an apartment building and a home, and I combined the two mortgages that were left, um, and that's about... 500,000 at two and a quarter percent for 15 years. Okay. But so let, I'm going to just do some quick financial planning with you here. You've got okay. $2.5 million. You said sitting in cash. Yes. Right. In cash. Yeah. Like it's in, it's in C- CDs or money markets or something along those lines. Right. Uh, yeah. A lot of it was in cash. Cause I was going to buy more property when okay. the bottom dropped out, but the bottom didn't drop yeah. out in real estate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It's just a good reminder that nobody can predict the future, right? <laughs> exactly. And then I got scared and I went, you know what? I'm just going to put the money someplace and just retire and not even have to deal with more property. Okay. And, uh, well, if you're going yeah. to retire, you should most certainly, and you're not dealing with more property, you should pay that that um, that money, that $500,000 loan off, even at 2.25%, because your cash accounts aren't earning anything close to that. Right. Not well, even. that's why I wanted to go to a financial advisor and actually invest it in the market. All right. Well, good. Here, Here's a good uh, indicator right now. Meet with financial advisors. If they don't bring that up. Or at least have that discussion with you. If they don't bring that up. Not 
lean on it, but have the discussion with you, you, you will, you'll know they are not the right financial advisor. If they talk about investing all without, of this without money. Without talking about your debt. Without talking about your debt and paying off debt, then they're the wrong financial advisor. Okay. Because it's a question. It's really a question of leverage. How much do you want to be leveraging at 62? Right now, you've got a very small portion of leverage on your real estate. You could also leverage the $2.5 million by margin loan and all kinds of. Well, I, I definitely wouldn't do that. I'm That's right. I, I know, but it's all a spectrum. So I, that conversation, right. Pat's point, that conversation, it, it, it's an important one. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Uh, I'm surprised you mentioned the, the 500000 at 2.25. Why? Because I, I, don't, I don't have any family members to leave. You know, my assets do. So it doesn't matter. I I don't have a part. I I have no mortgage. Pat has no mortgage. I could get a mortgage. I could probably get a mortgage at two and a half percent and then go invest it, take on a little more risk in my life. But to what end? Yeah. But this is against uh, your home or an apartment building. Um, I combine the two. On your home, though. Um, Say that again. What's the question? You use the home as collateral. You borrowed against the house, not the apartment building. Uh, it was a question. I bought, yeah, original. Right. Well, I understand, but I now the loan sits on your home, correct? It does sit on my okay. home. Okay, yeah. there, there we go. But the limitations on itemized deductions might have been more sense to even paying a higher yeah, rate. And you're not the apartment. correct. And you're not actually earning nearly that amount, two point two five in there. So that's why I would pay it off. But that's a discussion oh, you could have with an advisor. But if you were retiring, I'd do it in a minute. I wouldn't even spend any time talking about it. This is the first thing I do. You're going to retire. You're not going to buy any more property. I get your highest rate of return by just taking this guaranteed debt. No CDs are getting anything close to that. Anyway, appreciate the call. Yeah. We're fortunately out of time, um, but uh, glad you called. Hey, want to let, uh, let y'all know that our live workshops are back. We are having live in-person workshops again. Five steps to managing your social security can help you become smart about your claiming decisions. Um, We've got workshops that take place on selected dates, uh, Saturday, July 31st to Saturday, July 14th in Sacramento, Denver, and Cincinnati. You can learn more and register at allworthfinancial.com. This is particularly good for those that have saved well, trying to figure out how to integrate it all together. Uh, five steps to managing your Social Security, allworthfinancial.com. We'll see you next week. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McClain. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.